Connor, why is the extradition of Liam Byrne so important? Well, I suppose if you look back to the Regency Hotel in 2016, all roads lead back there in Irish organised crime. But if you go back to that moment in time, Liam Byrne was really the top of the tree here in the Irish drugs trade. He was the leader of the Kinhans Irish operation, uh, very powerful and very wealthy. He was untouchable, really. You, you know, hadn't even been charged with any crimes. And now if we fast forward, what, six and a half years, he's now behind bars in Britain. Which is being hailed as a significant moment in the battle to dismantle the Kinahan organised crime group. The symbolism of that alone, I think, is quite strong. And it really, I suppose it really completes the wiping out of the Burn organised crime group, which was the largest organised crime drugs gang in Ireland up until 2016. And they've really been on the run ever since. We will be absolutely relentless in our work to disrupt this organised criminal group. And this is the last big person to fall. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Sarah Pollock. Today, I talk to my colleague Connor Lally about Liam Byrne, the Kinahan cartel associate who last week was extradited to the UK to face criminal charges. Will another member of the Kinahan gang be next? Connor, can you start by telling me who is Liam Byrne? What can you tell me about his background, his career in crime before and up until the Regency Hotel attack in 2016? Yeah, so Liam Byrne is a 43-year-old man from Crumlin in Dublin. He is a married man with three children. He's really been involved in crime all his life. I suppose he started off with the smaller stuff um, and then graduated to very, you know, serious organised crime, particularly drug dealing. And we would know him in more recent years as the leader of what's called the Byrne Organised Crime Group. And the Byrne Organised Crime Group was essentially a drugs gang based here in Ireland and it handled a lot of the Kinnahan's trade here in Ireland. So they would take in the drugs that the Kinnahan's brought into the country, they'd break them into parcels, they would bring them to drugs gangs all over the country and then collect the cash and then get the cash back out of the country. So they were essentially the boots on the ground for the Kinnahan cartel in Ireland and he was the leader of it. What kind of lifestyle did he have? Was it a lavish lifestyle? Yeah, so I suppose we really got to know more about Liam Byrne after the Regency attack back in 2016. Daniel Kinahan, who's obviously one of the uh, senior people in the Kinahan cartel, was the main target of the Hutch gang when they broke into the hotel that day. They were intent on killing him, but instead a man called David Byrne was shot and he was the brother of Liam Byrne. So there was then a massive effort after the Regency to clamp down on these people and one of the first targets was Liam Byrne. He had opened the car garage, him and a couple of other people had opened the car garage and they had, you know, uh, like a garage forecourt, they had an office area and they had vehicles on the forecourt, like, you know, luxury, very high value cars. But it wasn't trading as a car garage in any way. It was simply a front to try and... I I suppose it was a front for their drug dealing cash and to make it appear that they had a genuine income from this car garage. Uh, So that garage was closed down straight away by cab. It seized a fleet of vehicles. Uh, Liam Burns house on Rally Square was also searched by cab and it was eventually confiscated by cab in 2018. But certainly when the Guardi raided the house in uh, Rally Square in Crumlin... The house had been bought about uh, slightly more than 10 years earlier for €250,000 and well over half a million had been spent on renovating the house. So you're talking about things like, you know, 
bulletproof windows, uh, jacuzzis in the house, you know, very big extension, very lavish internal work done on the house. And this would be the way of kind of wealthy drug dealers. They would buy a trophy property, usually in the area that they're from, and it has to be the biggest and the brassiest house in the area. So Limburn, you know, very much followed that um, route really straight after the Regency attack, once he realised that he was now under very serious investigation by the guards, he fled to the UK. And I want to ask you about that because his life totally transformed after the Regency Hotel. He left, where he went to the UK and, and where else did he go after that? Yeah, so his life definitely did completely transform. Up until that point, as I say, he was the leader of this uh, burn organised crime group. Everything was going really well. He was handling the Kinnan's drugs in Ireland and he was making a lot of money. Driving around in cars worth well over 100 grand and going on expensive holidays several times a year and just, you know, really living large off uh, drug money. When the Regency happened, the guards really ramped up their inquiry into the Byrne Organised Crime Group and Liam Byrne as the head of that group. Um, That forced him to flee to the UK. Um, His brother-in-law was already there, a guy called uh, Thomas Bomber Kavanagh. And while Liam Byrne ran the Kinahan's Irish operation, Thomas Kavanagh ran the Kinahan's UK operation. So Liam Byrne went over to him for a period of time. Byrne then found himself under investigation by the authorities in Britain and he soon fled to Dubai. And that's where he had been really hanging out um, for the last few years until he cropped up on a family holiday in Mallorca back in early June. So as you mentioned, yes, he was living in Dubai, but he was arrested in Spain in June of this year. How did he end up there and why did he believe that it was safe to come back to Europe? Yeah, it's a kind of an interesting one. Um, he had been in Dubai for some time. He knew the National Crime Agency in Britain had him under investigation and that's why he actually fled um, uh, the UK for Dubai. There's no extradition arrangement with, between either Ireland and, and uh, the UAE or Great Britain and uh, the UAE. So uh, criminals who want to escape the police in either Ireland or Britain go to Dubai because they think it's safe there, which it is. But he'd been living there for a while and he obviously felt confident enough that he could travel to Spain for a family holiday in in, uh, late May. And actually, he was in Mallorca for 10 days before the police there actually caught up with him. The National Crime Agency contacted the authorities in Spain. It's believed that they informed the Spanish authorities that he was there. And then a search was kind of underway for a few days. They found his rental car. And once they found the rental car, they were able to find him. So he was in a restaurant one evening eating a meal with some uh, family members. And the Spanish police came in and took him away, essentially. Um, and that was in early June. And he's been he was held in custody in Spain since then. And he was extradited from uh, Spain to the UK last week. Yeah, and there was a legal battle over the extradition from Spain to the UK, which he has now lost. And we saw footage of him arriving in the UK last week. What happens next? Presumably he will face trial. Yeah, so he was brought back early last week to to the UK. He appeared in court straight away. He was remanded in custody until January the 8th and he will appear before the Old Bailey at, at that stage. Now, obviously because of his wealth, because he's you know, essentially fled the police in Ireland and then the police in Britain. He's not going to be getting bail anytime soon. So he will be kept in prison until he goes on trial. As I say, up in court again before the Old Bailey on January the 8th. And we should get a firmer indication then as to when his trial may be held. But he's facing really serious charges there. Um, Essentially, 
He was always involved in the drugs trade here in Ireland, but in the UK it is alleged that he and several other men uh, were involved in sourcing firearms and that they were going to sell these uh, guns to organised crime gangs in Britain. So, you know, he's essentially charged with conspiring to, you know, run that kind of trade there. Um, And these are really serious charges. Some of the offences that he charged would, would carry a jail term of up to five years, some of them up to 10 years, and then there's one that would carry a jail term of up to life in jail. Crucial to this story is the role of a piece of anonymous messaging technology called EncroChat that was popular among criminal gangs. Can you explain what that is? The British essentially say that they have evidence from the EncroChat uh, system, which was essentially a secret messaging app, if you like, um, that was favoured by organised crime. It was supposed to be completely secret. You know, law enforcement wasn't able to get access to it and so on. But back in 2020, international law enforcement did actually get access to the system. And the British authorities claim that, you know, they have evidence now that links Liam Byrne to this conspiracy to source and sell firearms over in Britain. So that's what the evidence is going to be when he gets to court. If the evidence is as clear-cut as the National Crime Agency say it is, uh, Liam Byrne's going to spend a long time in jail. Has he ever spent any time in jail before? He's an interesting character in the sense that he was involved in crime when he was a teenager. So older uh, listeners will recall that we had a gangland feud here called the Crumlin-Grimna feud. And that went on for, you know, almost a 10-year period. It was essentially between two crime gangs and Liam Byrne was part of that picture. Essentially, the group that won that feud then went on to become the Kinahan Cartel's Irish operation, if you like. So, Liam Byrne and the people that he hangs out with have been involved in the Crumlin-Grimna feud for years and then in the Kinahan-Hutch feud. So, he's literally been through the wars. He spent time in jail when he was a younger man for assault and also for armed robbery. Um, And he actually did quite a lengthy stretch for that. He would have got out of prison when he was in his early 20s. And then really, say, between the time he was freed from jail and the time that he was arrested in Spain in early June, he would have only spent five days in in prison in Ireland. And they were all for fairly, you know, small issues. Um, So he's never faced a proper gangland charge. He has really been around at really near the top of the Irish drugs trade for about 20 years. And he's never faced any, you know, serious charges arising from that involvement. And now he's facing UK prosecution, but let's stay with Ireland for a minute. There's only been one gang-related murder this whole year. But on the other hand, large quantities of drugs are still making their way into the country. So, Connor, as this year draws to a close, what is the state of play in the fight against organised crime here in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, I think the state of play is that, I mean, you can probably split the underworld now into two, really. I mean, you've got the sale of drugs and then you've got, you know, firearms and gang feuds. And I think really what's happened is if we go back to the Regency Hotel back in 2016, the Kinnan Hutch feud exploded at that point and it really raged until the end of 2018. And you, we have 18 people who were uh, killed as part of that feud. Um, we haven't had anybody shot dead as part of the feud, as I say, since um, really in the, in the last five years. So that has definitely calmed down. Whether or not it's over is open to question, but certainly it's been very calm of late. And what's happened there is 
In the years really since then, the Kinahan's Irish operation has been completely wiped out. A lot of the key people in Ireland for the cartel have been caught and they're currently in jail. Other crime gangs have seen the success that the guards have had and the guards will tell you that that has really resulted in those gangs pulling their horns in, not getting involved in feuding because they saw what happened to the all-powerful burn organised crime group here. So they want to avoid that happening to themselves. And that's really why we've only seen one gangland uh, shooting here in 2023. And we only had one last year as well, which is very, very low by Irish standards. But as you say, the drugs trade rolls on and a lot of the seizures that we've seen here have been very, very big. So the gangs may have put the firearms down for now, but they're still importing huge quantities of cocaine, heroin, cannabis. And the good times are rolling really in terms of selling drugs in Ireland. You told us a few months ago about the efforts to extradite Kinahan cartel members from the United Arab Emirates. What we heard then was the authorities there in the UAE had not been playing ball, but there was hope that since the US imposed sanctions on the Kinahans in 2022, that there could actually be a change in that stance. Is there any sign of that change so far? Well, I mean, I suppose there's some signs of it in the sense that um, the Guard Commissioner Drew Harris has been over to uh, UAE to meet with senior police officers there. That has never happened in the past. Um, so that's at least a positive sign that he he was able to go there. Some Dubai police officers also came here. So there is cooperation in that sense. And at least they're talking now. They're getting to know each other and building that rapport. Helen McEntee has also been similarly working away, trying to put in place an an extradition agreement between Ireland and uh, UAE. But we still don't have uh, that agreement. And people that we want to extradite from Dubai are still living openly there. So, okay, there's a bit of progress in the background, but we haven't really seen that in, you know, brass tacks, getting Irish criminals in handcuffs back from Dubai, back to Ireland to go on trial here. And that'll be the test of it. Um, And that hasn't happened yet. What about the reward of up to $15 million that the US authorities offered last year for information that could lead to the arrest or conviction of senior Kinahan cartel members? Has anyone received any of that money for passing on information? Do we know? We don't think they have yet. Um, And if they have, we certainly don't know about it. Um... But again, I mean, the leadership of the cartel, Christy Kinahan Sr., Christopher Jr. and Daniel Kinahan, um, they're moving around, as we understand it. They're headquartered in Dubai and they're still able to live openly there. Now, the world is, is definitely smaller. They are being pursued by the Irish, the Brits, the Spanish, the Americans. So they are under pressure and they have been for quite some time. But still... A lot of the drugs that are coming to Ireland, they have their hand in them. So they're still operating as a drugs wholesaler. And I suppose we really don't know how much information the Americans have gathered yet really on the Kinahans. We can take it that there's a major inquiry going on there and they will have some intel on them. But it is going to be hard to catch these people. They haven't been caught yet, but I suspect they probably will be. After the US sanctions against the Kinahans were announced in 2022, there was a bit of an expectation of their complete downfall. That hasn't happened yet. Are they more resilient than we thought? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the Garda Commissioner did warn at the time that they would prove pretty resilient, and they have. 
The the problem really that international law enforcement has with the Kinhens is is that they've grown so big that when you know, when you're a major international drug dealing cartel, and these are big on a global scale, you know, scale, they're not just big in terms of Britain and Ireland. These are significant uh, players on the European and probably on the global drugs um, scene. So when criminals attain that kind of wealth and power, they're never in the room with the drugs or even with the cash or even with the firearms. So they have other people doing that kind of work for them. And it's often very hard to pin particular crimes on them. So the richer they get and the more powerful they get, the harder they are to catch. And that's what international law enforcement is really finding now with the Kinahans. But having said that, you know, major cartel leaders have been caught and have been jailed. And it just takes a lot of time and you have to keep at it. I mean, I think you would want to be very optimistic to think they will, you know, all three of them will be caught. But I I strongly believe we'll at least one or two will end up being charged and will go on trial either in Ireland or in the US. We broke a story earlier in the year on IrishTimes.com saying that a file had gone to the DPP after a Garda investigation here into the leadership of the cartel. At that stage, Garda sources that I spoke to were quite optimistic that they may even go on trial here. Um, we haven't. We don't really have any news of the upshot of that. The DPP is still going over that. So the avenue of them possibly going, you know, possibly being caught in Ireland, being charged here, put on trial here, or going to the US, you know, those two options are still live and we don't know if they will result in these people being caught. But as I say, I think I think Daniel Kinahan will be. And then the question is, will his father and his brother be caught as well? Uh, I'd be less certain of that. That's all for today. For more reporting from Conor Lally on organised crime in Ireland, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Sir Pollock. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>